0: I'm good, how are you? I'm doing all right. Doing good. (laughs) Okay. Thank you
1: again. Oh, sorry. No,
0: go ahead, go ahead.
1: I was just going to thank you again for doing this.
0: Hey, hey, no problem, no problem. What is the name of this class anyway?
1: So I am in a teaching a diverse society class right now, and so we're just learning different ways and methods to be diverse within the classroom or just within our lives with teaching.
0: Okay, so you're looking to be a teacher.
1: Um, no, this is a gen ed course that I'm taking to fulfill a couple gen ed requirements, but I, yes, if possible, I would like to teach, um, but that's not my degree.
0: Ah, okay. And what, I forget, what school are you at?
1: Uh, University of Indianapolis.
0: University. Do you like it? I love it. Uh, Was that like your first choice or how did you pick that?
1: Um, I don't know. I, out of the three I applied to, yeah, it would be. Um, Hmm. I didn't, I mean, I didn't really have a... I know wherever I could get in and get the most scholarships was really where I was going to go. So,
0: I'll be darned. I'll be darn. <laughs> I mean, you, I had no clue this is where you're at until your dad called me. And uh, yeah. I thought, holy cow, you know, you guys have grown up so fast. And all of a sudden now you're out and about doing your own thing. Well, that's mm-hmm. a
1: good... I'm a senior this year. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs>
0: so, where are you planning on going after this?
1: home. <laughs> no, I,
0: well, I know that. But <laughs>
1: um, so my degree is photography. Um, I'm kind of going to feel out Fort Wayne. I worked for the past couple summers. I've worked with Fort Wayne Parks and Rec Department in right. their riparian crew. So I worked on the rivers. So mm-hmm. I'm planning on going back there to work and kind of just do be a freelance photographer hmm. until I can find... Opportunities that way I would like to be within a marketing teams of different businesses, but right. it just it depends on where that goes So
0: have you gotten into using drones to take pictures?
1: I do have a drone But like the third or fourth time I take it out. I took it out. I broke it. So <laughs>
0: Well, tell your dad yeah. to come up off of some of that money in his wallet and buy <laughs> you a new one. You know? Okay, I will. So, what? How did you end up into this class again? It's it's a class an elective. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what interested you about this class to take it?
1: Well, not only because it fulfilled two of my Gen Ed requirements, but um, I was. I was thinking about teaching some like classes for like people to sign up for and come in and really learn about photography or painting, whatever art form they wanted to learn. Mm. And I just like, with how society is moving today, I was like, maybe I should kind of get some idea of how I should treat everyone and make sure I'm not doing what a lot of other people are doing.
0: Ah, okay. Well, I tell you what, here's the deal. I want you to be comfortable. You can ask me anything, even if it's questions that are not on your list. I want you to go ahead and, and, you know, do your little freelancing with your questions and feel free to ask anything, okay, and you're not going to embarrass me about what you ask. And uh, just get comfortable, and that will make things easier for you, okay?
1: Okay, thank you so much. All
0: right. You tell me when you're ready, I'm ready.
1: Okay. So my first question is, can you tell me a little bit about your childhood, like, well, not a little bit, a lot, actually. <laughs> okay. Like where you grew up, what was your family like? Like parents, what did they do? Any siblings, um, school life?
0: Okay, all right. I'll, I'll just keep rolling, and you can stop me when you need to, all right? Okay. Okay, well, I grew up in Fort Wayne in a neighborhood that was mostly black. I'm going to say almost all black. There was only one white family in the neighborhood, uh, some kids on the corner, and we interacted with them just a little bit. But the entire neighborhood was black. Black grocery stores, black-owned candy stores, black-owned um, car shops. Uh, they work on your cars. Uh, there was a church across the street there, a rec center. It was run by black people. Um, it, so everything around us at that time was black. Um, I had There were seven of us in the family. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad, they both worked. We were home. Uh, we either had a. My mom was working third shift, so she was home with us, and my dad worked all the time. And I always, always knew my dad as somebody who worked hard. I knew he worked at a steel mill. I knew very little bit about the steel mill where he worked. I knew he would come home. He would head into his room, and my mom would make food for him on a tray and take it in. And the, the all of us were out in the other area of the house eating, and you know, just monkeying around doing what kids do and. You know, we grew up in a neighborhood, so we'd go out and we'd play uh, out in the neighborhood with our friends, and everything was outdoors playing. It's totally different than today. Mm-hmm. We were outside playing all the time. Uh, we would interact every once in a blue moon with the police because uh, we'd see them come in the neighborhood, uh, and we'd stand and watch and see what was going on. Uh, some really neat stories, but I won't go too deep into that. But we eventually ended up at an all-white school, okay. uh, riding a bus with all-white kids and the only other black kids at the school were our cousins and just maybe one or two sprinklings here or there of kids. Classrooms are full of white. All the teachers were white. That's what we saw. Our parents didn't really say, hey, behave this way or do anything. to." We, we just learned when you grow up, you behave a certain way, just not so much to fit in, but this is the right thing to do. So, you know, we would go to our all-white school. We'd get on the bus and come home, back to our all-black neighborhood, hang out with our all-black friends, and, and then mm-hmm. we'd do it again, you know, just getting used to that. So growing up through middle school, we did that, and then we went to high school, and it was really about the same thing. Uh, it was an all-white, you know, Concordia High School. I think that's where you went too, right? Yep. <laughs> there you go. And there was a few blacks in the school. Uh, they had a black student club. You know, there was not any too many problems um, growing up. I didn't run into too many. I mean, I, I met your dad there. We played basketball together mm-hmm. and got involved in different things. So, I mean, it was a good time. Uh, I, I overlapped with friends, white, black, um, you know, Hispanic, whatever. I just was one who was friends with anyone. So life was, to me, I could see there was a difference in things that were going on, but I guess mm-hmm. I didn't focus so much on the, the differences. I just focused more on what we had in common and what we could do together. But I knew where the boundaries were. And I, okay. learned, I learned that from just my parents and them growing up in the South. And they had their fears they put on us to be aware of. And we knew they were there, but uh, we just knew what our boundaries were and what we could and could not do.
1: Um, Did you – experience any, like, racism or hardships growing up, whether it was yourself or any of your siblings or your cousins or whatnot?
0: Um, I'm going to say yes. Yes to all of that. Like I said, going to an all-white school, riding on an all-white bus, Mm -hmm. there were things that happened, things that were said that were mean Mm -hmm. and hurtful, uh, and it didn't happen very much. I mean, I just happened to be one of the kids who grew up real fast as far as height goes. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more or less ducking my head to get on the bus. And so I didn't get too many problems, but my cousins did. Uh, my own brother did. Uh, mm-hmm. He talked about that in one of our other podcasts. And things okay. were said and done to him. I felt it more from the teachers. I got it more from the teachers than uh, I did from the students. And like I said, I, was one of the, I just happened to be one of the taller kids, and I guess that had something to do with why I didn't get it from the kids who were smaller than me. Uh, being invited to people's houses, I know for sure there was only one uh, friend that did have me over to his all-white house in an all-white neighborhood, but none of the other ones would. Uh, there would be jokes that were said that the kids were saying, but they were telling these jokes because their parents told a joke. And it's almost like I didn't get it, but you know, a couple of them thought it was funny. You know, it would always be the you know the joke. There's a you know there's a a white guy and a black guy, and then all of a sudden they would stop when they see me <laughs> because they're wondering should they finish that joke. <laughs> so things where hardship maybe I think being that young uh, in an all black neighborhood I didn't see it, but I knew my parents were going through it mm-hmm. uh, when my dad tried to move us out into an all white neighborhood. I found out these things later that there was no bank in Fort Wayne that would give him a loan. There wasn't a bank oh, wow. that was going to give him a loan at all. So he had to go over to Ohio to get a loan to buy the house. Well, the interest rates were really high, but there was mm-hmm. a bank in Ohio that would give it. And then in, in the black community, you knew that. If you wanted to buy a house anywhere other than in a black neighborhood, you had to go to some place that would loan you the money over in Ohio. But the interest rates were still high, but they would at least give it to you. Uh, moving out into an all-white neighborhood. They, there was a lady who tried to get us not to live out there, so she started a petition. And again, all it took was one family to say no. And that that family ended up, the, the kids in the family, we all became really good friends. I mean, even to this day, we, we still know each other. Uh, we try to reach out, and I reach out to the one guy's brother. I see him more, but I mean, I ran into the mom. Uh, she's living in a nursing facility, and I happened to run to her, and she remembered me, you know as mm-hmm. a kid growing up. So there were some hard times, yes, and I said it was more from the adults than it was so much from the kids, and I think the kids were just repeating maybe the funny stuff they thought their parents were telling a joke at home and they would bring into school. So I just lived and enjoyed life, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> so I want to talk about yours you as a police officer real quick, so what made you want to become a police officer, were there any influences um, as you grew up like how long did you serve and then how, was there a specific rank or position you were Mm -hmm.
0: okay well it all started and I can remember it, living in my all black neighborhood Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, there was a time when my mother would have to have me stay over at a one of her friends house to be babysat until she got home Mm -hmm. and I'm there one day and two policemen came to the house. And the lady there said, hey, she goes, look how tall this policeman is. He reached up, and I'll never forget it as a kid. It was a huge thing. He reached up and took the light out of the uh, ceiling and replaced it with another light. And in the light switch work, I remember he was coming over to change the light for and He put the cover back on the light. And she said, he's so tall, he doesn't need a ladder, does he? And I'm standing mm-hmm. there basically in awe looking at this guy, two of them in uniform. And I thought, boy, that is the neatest thing to be that big and, and uh, tall as a policeman. The second involvement I had was a my sister came and was walking me home from school one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a, a little school, just like a day school, and she came to get me to walk me back home. Uh, I didn't know what was going on till later. There's a gentleman that tried to basically kidnap the both of us. and take us over to a park he was trying to force us to show him where this park was at and we were telling him well it's right there if you just look you can see and he kept going no no hey you got to show me where the park is at not knowing what his plan was he was an older gentleman and we finally kept talking to him and then I started crying as a little kid I started crying then the guy kind of took off and then my sister took us home my mother called the police, and sure enough, two huge policemen came to the house, and they start questioning me about what he looked like, what did he say, all those kind of things. I had no clue that there was a guy who was actually uh, raping and molesting kids at that time, and we were we were pretty darn close to being his next victims. Then I remember an encounter one time. Uh, we're playing basketball, and there's a bunch of guys rolling dice in the corner, uh, while we're playing basketball, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. four or five police cars come screeching up. I mean, they're coming up and they, and they get out and they're chasing people and they're running. And I mean, people are just running. Every, we're just kind of frozen watching this because we had nothing in it. And uh, I hear one lady, a neighbor of ours, yelling at this policeman. She yells, don't you shoot that boy? Just like that. And we're watching this like, holy cow. <laughs> he had his gun out to shoot this kid that was running. And by her yelling at him, he stopped. And I thought it was the neatest thing that the jingling of the keys of the policemen, they're chasing the bad guys. And that was kind of, thing. Mm-hmm. it was like, okay. I thought, boy, I think I might want to do this. Uh, I think I'd want to do this. Sure enough, uh, when I got old enough, I applied for the academy. You had to be 21 to get in. But mm-hmm. I applied actually when I was 19 years old.
2: Wow. Oh, okay. I had my
0: application in. And when I saw they were accepting applications, I called and I got to uh, talk to a guy named uh, Hank Sanders. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think he was a sergeant at that time. And I said, hey, can you double check to see if my application is still on file? He went and came back, told me my name and everything. He said, still here. I said, good. he said, well, we've got it. So by the time I was in the academy, I had just turned 21. So I mean, I was just a kid going in. I had no clue what I was going into. Mm -hmm. Uh, Went through the academy, had a great time. Well, yeah, I did have a good time. But, uh, finally, got out of there, and I did twenty-three years, twenty-three and a half years with Fort Wayne PD, oh. having a great time on there. And I got a lot of stories. If you're thinking you want to talk black and white, I got a lot of stories on that. Okay. And then I did uh, eight years at the, a university police department, which you had to be a you had to be a police officer. You couldn't just be some you know Joe Schmo off the street. Mm-hmm. I did eight years there. Then I got called and offered a position at the prosecutor's office. I jumped on that right away. So now I'm working at the Allen County prosecutor's office, still in law enforcement, uh, doing things. But uh, I loved police work, loved the job. And during that entire time, all I ever became was a detective. I went from a patrolman. I was an instructor at the academy. I became a detective. I did just about every spot on the police department you could do. Uh, Changing mm-hmm. uh, positions all over the place. Uh, worked in vice and narcotics the most. Becoming a detective was was a lot of fun also. So so yeah. Overall, still doing law enforcement. Thirty plus years uh, in law enforcement and enjoying every bit of it.
1: Okay, awesome. Um, this question, mm-hmm. I'm curious about your views of the Black Lives Matter movement. I just, I'm intrigued from your background and as your police officer and everything that's been going on. I'm I'm curious to see how you view that movement. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm asking. No,
0: that's a a good question. And uh, there've been a lot of people asking me, and you're the first one that's going to get me to say (laughs) (laughs) what I actually feel and think. But um, I have to back up a little bit. And uh, the whole George Floyd incident, when Mm -hmm. that all unfolded, I don't think there was a a single person who agreed to what had happened. Not even knowing all the facts, it was hard to imagine ever doing something like that or being involved in something like that. Now, seeing it from a policeman's perspective, I knew there had to be more to the story. I knew there was something else going on that led to that. I felt bad for the officers who were there, and he was the senior officer with his knee on a gentleman's neck. Mm Mm-hmm. I had to go back and think, as a rookie, how many times did I see some things happen that I thought, man, this is wrong. But as a rookie, you couldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. As even a two or three year, four year on, if it's a supervisor there doing that, or someone with more rank than you, or more years than you, you kind of had to almost just join along. Listening to me say that, you would think to yourself, there's no way. Well, there is a way, because that's just the way the system worked. And it works that way even with your friends sometimes. It'll get you in trouble if you're not the one that can speak up and say, hey, I think this is wrong. Or pat somebody on the back because right when you do that, you're now ousted. It's almost like you're not even a policeman anymore if you don't go along with what's going on. And when I came on a long time ago, we came on to stay for the 20 plus years to get a pension. Now you get people to come on, they'll only stay four or five years, 10, and then they'll leave. No, for us, this job was a career. And you wanted to stay in that career as long as you could because you knew at the end you would be receiving money even though you weren't there, (laughs) which which is kind of neat, but that's another story. So looking at it from a policeman's perspective, I could see how that happened. And then I felt bad for those officers because I knew they had to go home and face their spouse or their in their mm-hmm. children to say, Hey, I, I got suspended today because so and so did this. And mm. you know that other half of the family was going, Well, why didn't you do anything? Yeah. You put all of our stuff at risk. Now we're gonna lose our house, everything because of you let him do that. It's easy for the family or it's easy for people to say that, but it's hard when you're in that spot. All right? Mm-hmm. Now Watching the whole thing unfold, yes, I agree with the marching. I agree okay. with the protest. There's no problem with the protest. And, and like my brother said in the other podcast, he said, people have been protesting for years. Yeah, People protest all the time. I mean, you start doing it with your, your own parents. You'll protest against them. You know, if you don't like the rules they're giving you, okay?
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: there have been protests going on. I agreed with every bit of it. I was really <laughs> surprised when it was happening in Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how far spread this thing had gotten. And when you turned Mm -hmm. on the news, I mean, they're protesting Mm -hmm. over the same thing, one person, and they're in every country. They're all across the United States, and they're protesting. It's like, okay, this is good. It is bringing light to something that was horrible. And everybody agreed to it. When it got out of hand, and you know Mm -hmm. where I'm going. (laughs) Oh,
1: yes. I'm waiting for
0: that part to come. Okay. Is when some People decided to pretend to be protesters, yep. pretend to be caring people. And then they come along and they want to start breaking things, disobeying the law, standing in the street, blocking traffic, throwing things. That's when it just went downhill. Mm-hmm. And what people couldn't separate was the protesters from the troublemakers. They couldn't separate those two in their mind. Because it was being shown that, oh, these protesters have gotten out of hand. Well, the protesters were fine. They they didn't want to be bothered with that. They were there to hear the speeches. They were there to, you know, yell and scream and do their thing, which you have a right Mm -hmm. to do. But some people took advantage of that, and that's where it got bad for the protesters. That's when it got bad for the police. I could not stomach watching somebody throw something at a policeman. Watch somebody disobey a policeman. Watch somebody get in the face of a policeman and yell and point a finger. That bothered me more than anything. Well, I take that back. Not more than anything. George Floyd, the whole thing on his neck is what really bothered me. But it bothered me to see people treat policemen that way. I don't care what city, what state, what country you are from. You need them. Okay, they're just like a referee in a game. Mm-hmm. You don't like a referee, but boy, you sure need them. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: When they're on your side, you're happy, okay? Yeah. We need them. And that's just the way it is. We need policemen. It the whole George Floyd thing hurt me, sickened me. The whole way policemen were treated sickened me and hurt me because I saw it. All right? And as a as a male black, I could see how these things have happened. And I could see it as a male black when I was a rookie on the police department to this day today. I could see how and why those things happened, all right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, a, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> that's probably not part of it. But I, I could not stomach what I saw. And I, I'm behind the protesters. If I had you know known this was going on in Fort Wayne, I probably would have went down there to hear what was being said because I wanted to show my support. And my Mm -hmm. disapproval of what happened, what happened there, not what happened in Fort Wayne, because it had not happened yet. Fort Mm -hmm. Fort Wayne has a great relationship with people. I mean, be it no matter where you're from, they do. They really do. They have their little problems. Yes, they do. But overall, Fort Wayne has a great relationship with people and the police. I probably went all off base, but what was your other question out of all of that? (laughs)
1: Um, so the next one is this is kind of on part from me and as well as my father. <laughs> why did you decide to include "Whoop Whoop, It's the Police" into your introduction of your podcast? <laughs>
0: well, one one is called Police Pod uh, Pod yep. <laughs> Talk. So, uh, and, uh, and that name came actually from my my granddaughter. She she Aww. was <laughs> with me when we were starting this whole thing, and I couldn't come up with a name. And she said, "Well, why not make it Police Pod Talk?" And I said, yeah. okay, and uh, the whoop-whoop is just a, the sirens, like you're getting pulled over <laughs> yeah. by the police. <laughs> so, I yeah.
1: thought that was very funny at the beginning. <laughs> I, I'm going to admit, I've only listened to about three, maybe four of the podcasts. Uh-huh. I've been extremely busy, but I, I really enjoyed them so far, and that, leads, like, that made me think of why did you decide to start the podcast.
0: Well, okay, um, this is a funny It's kind of a funny story. You may not find <laughs> it funny. There was a guy at work I work with. His name's Jeremy, and uh-huh. he's one. Of, he's about like your age kind of guy. I mean, really young. And when I say age, I told him I say I have uh, gym shoes at home that are twenty five years old. Okay, <laughs> so we're working together, riding together, and he's talking about podcasts that he listens to. And I'm like, what is a podcast? And he explains, hey, people get on and they talk about just about anything. And he was listening to some podcast about anything. I mean, they're talking about how to change the oil in the car and what's mm-hmm. the best tires to put on, <laughs> you know, just little silly things. I said, huh. I said, I believe people would want to know what policemen do, what their job is like, the things they run into, the things they have to deal with. I think people would want to know that. And he said, yeah, I would. I said, I should probably do a podcast, not even knowing what a podcast was. (laughs) So we talked about it because, I mean, we cover nine counties around Fort Wayne.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: So we're in the car a lot. So we're having great conversations. So he explained to me what a podcast, how they work. So I did a little research on getting equipment and how to set it up and what needed to be done. So I made a couple of calls. So, you know, I got all the equipment and everything, learned how to do it, set it up, made One or two calls to some friends and said, hey, would you be willing to talk on my podcast? And I talked to some judges, some lawyers, some Mm -hmm. uh, defense attorneys. And I started talking to even the prosecutor. It's funny. Police officers really don't want to be on the show because they're afraid that they may say something to make them lose their job. I'm like, oh, please, just talk is all you have to do. You have no secrets. Everybody knows what you're up to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I just wanted to reach out and show people that, hey, policemen are human, too. I mean, we make mistakes. Uh, We don't always get it right, but we're always trying to do our best. And I want to shed light on the good officers. There's a lot. I'm telling you, there are more good officers Uh than there are bad. And there's a lot more good people than there are bad. But policemen have to do a job, and they have to make a quick decision. I mean, a quick decision uh, right then and there. So if you ever hang around policemen, uh, a lot of cops, they're the ones with that quick wit, that quick humor. And I mean, because their mind is always thinking real fast. And I mean, they say some of the funniest things real quick, because they're always thinking fast, and they have to have a decision right then and there. So if ever you're at a party sometime, and there's a policeman there, I can get, I can guarantee you, there's probably a crowd around that policeman because they got the funniest stories, and they, and they really have a quick wit that just crack you up. And I learned that, you know, just coming on, dealing with a lot of the older officers, and now uh, you see that a lot. So if you're at a party, everybody wants to hear the police stories. They don't want to hear some doctor talk about a surgery he did, you know, <laughs> something like that. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I decided to do it. And uh, I've had a lot of fun. And uh, Jeremy and uh, uh, another uh, co-worker, uh, Abby, we put them together. And uh, we'll do them right there at the prosecutor's office. And uh, we've been having a lot of fun just bringing light to what policemen do, some of the good things, some of the bad things, mm-hmm. and uh, going over that kind of stuff.
1: You kind of covered my next question, but just to ask it, why did you decide to bring the different careers into it, not just focus on the police officers, not just because, like, not a lot of people want to do it because they're afraid to get fired or whatnot?
0: You mean, why did I talk to different people? Yeah. Well, because a lot of times their jobs uh, overlap. A lot of times the involvement on your job, you have to deal with a police officer. Okay. Uh, they They coordinate together, they collaborate together. They ha- they need each other. If you can understand what a policeman has to deal with, you can kind of say okay. Now, the the jobs all support each other. The people that I've been talking to. And then as you know on my podcast, I kind of had to get off into the whole George Floyd thing, but it was still talking about police work and mm-hmm. people's mindset or their attitude towards, you know, be it black white and uh things like, "Hey, why does this bother you? Why are black people you know doing this but you know as long as you talk about it it actually brings out more understanding so yeah I I try to talk to just about anybody on my podcast and I'll fly police in there (laughs) as much as I can
1: okay my next question deals with schools so what is your view about having policemen in like within schools with around around, um, children during school hours?
0: Mm Well. Um, You can look at it from different angles here. As a parent, I would love it. If there's Uh a policeman in the school, I would love it. As a student, you have to think, well, maybe you don't like it, but I guarantee you when things get ugly, you're going to be happy they're there. You don't have to call them. (laughs) Uh You don't have to hope they're coming. They will be there. And the relationship between the kids and the police officer will grow. The respect for the officer uh, will grow. And then the officer will start to understand kids, too, and their mindset at that age, what what they're thinking, what they're seeing, and then how to interact with one another. Uh, mm-hmm. Policemen will be more open to ask questions to kids. The kids will be a lot more open to tell things that the policeman needs to know. Say, hey, uh, Tommy's got a gun in his locker, you know, and the policeman mm-hmm. can take care of it. Or, hey, so-and-so is in the bathroom, and I, you know I think they want to hurt themselves. The policeman will take care of it. That way you'll see that they're real. They have real lives. So if you're at the grocery store and you run into officer so-and-so who works in your school, you can just go, hey, how you doing? You know, that kind of thing. Or you see that person needs some help. I bet you those kids who know that officer will be a more lot willing to go and assist while that officer's off duty. It's, it's a good thing all around. People are afraid, well, they have a gun. Okay, that gun's not going to jump out of the holster and start shooting kids. Uh So just his mere presence, be it at the front door when the kids are coming in, be it at a basketball game or any sporting event, is a help. It's a hindrance to anybody who's planning on doing something that Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be doing. So, yeah, policemen at schools, get them. All right? Okay.
1: Um, So the next couple questions my professor asked us at the beginning of the class, and I don't know, these three questions really stuck with me ever since we began the semester. Okay. She likes to say be open and honest, to safe space, blah blah blah. And I don't know, it just when she asked these questions, I just I kind of stopped and I was like, I don't, I'm not quite sure. And hearing everyone else's testimonials with these, I was like. I was like, wow, I I just, I was speechless. So the first question was, is, when was the first time you realized the color of your skin, and could you explain what happened?
0: Hmm. Boy, <laughs> that, that, is, that is a good question.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow.
0: I could see that question actually asked both ways, but uh, mm-hmm. since we're talking about my black skin or my brown skin, boy, that's digging deep. But... Yeah. I'm going to have to say, I noticed it. Well, I always knew I had it, but mm-hmm. when I noticed that it would actually either cause a problem or make people feel different about me, again, was when I was in middle school. Okay. And I said this before I think it was more the teachers than mm-hmm. it was the kids. Because I can see kids of all colors just playing together. Mm-hmm. And they really don't think too much about it. It's just another kid who's about the same height, and they can see eye to eye to each other.
2: <laughs> yeah. um,
0: but it was the more the teachers. I don't think people understand that when you are a person who doesn't look like the group, as mm-hmm. soon as you walk in, you can feel the atmosphere in the room change. You can feel it when you meet somebody one-on-one, and it's not so much as it's changing because they are, what what we wanna say, a racist or they're prejudiced, it's more because they're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They're trying to almost walk on eggshells to say, okay, I don't wanna say anything to offend this person. What can I say? What can I say? I've never been around a person of color, so I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. It's it's more of an uncomfortable feeling. Mm -hmm. I can feel that. And I don't think they realize I can feel that they're uncomfortable. So I think it was when I was in, you asked the question, I'll give you. It was when I was in uh, grade school. And I'm going to say it was more in the first grade than it was in kindergarten because my kindergarten teacher was great. And mm-hmm. um, I remember her and I, I remember her daughter. Um, they're great people. And then her ki- uh, the the grandkids, I mean, they're all great people. Her kids, I went to school with her kids, but... Yeah, Uh, first grade, I'm going to say, and I felt that from the teacher who almost created an atmosphere with the students that this student of color is not like you. She would never say it. It was just in the things that she would do to make sure you knew this guy was not like you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I knew it, but I don't know if she knew she knew she was doing that. But Mm -hmm. did I answer all of that question or not? Yeah,
1: you did you did amazing thank you yeah in class we're talking about teachers we just covered this we were talking about teachers and students and community members and how we can have an inclusive environment that what you just said kind of reiterated everything and i'm like very thankful that you answered that question very openly so the next one is when was the first time you witnessed racism not just towards yourself but like i think you covered this earlier but like what
0: happened in a way. Well, when I say when you say when I witness racism. Yeah, like, mm. I don't really know how to explain No, no, that. no, you, you okay. did, you did, you okay. okay. So when you say witness racism, you'd have to say I have to witness something where I felt I was not included or I couldn't participate or I was not allowed to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think the first time I believe I witnessed what I believe was racism. Mm-hmm. was when I mean it was happening a lot but I didn't know it but I remember this when I was in 8th grade okay. we had uh, two substitute teachers come in and they taught us about buying a car I mean it was really neat it was a, a great class which they should still have classes like that how to go buy a car yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, does it really mean should. to get, yeah what does it mean <laughs> to get a loan and you know how to do, work with a salesman well the weirdest thing was my dad was going to go buy a car Mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, I learned this stuff. I'm going to go. And this was in eighth grade. Me, my dad, and my mom went. And I watched this salesman working with my dad. And the stuff that I learned, I could sense this gentleman did not want to sell my dad this car no matter what. Uh. And I'm going, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Our class said you can go buy, anybody can go buy a car if you just do these things. My dad was there working with him, talking to him, finagling with him. So I asked a question of the guy because it's something I learned in the, in the school, you know, the classroom. I said, hey, uh, sir, <laughs> I know I was respectful, but I said, um, how much of the cost of that car goes to advertisement cost, And are we being forced to pay that? His jaw kind of dropped open a little bit, almost like well, this is coming from a little eighth grade kid. I don't have to tell you that. And he looked at me, and he just kind of blew me off. I thought, okay. So that tells me there's something going on. I don't know if my dad ever bought a car from there,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but he made, this, this gentleman made sure my dad stayed in his place. You don't get any more than what I'm telling you I'm going to give you off on this car, and don't ask for yeah. any more than that. And it was almost so high that my dad was like, no, I, I don't think we're going to do this. And, I, and it, what hurt me more than anything was I learned in school anybody can buy a car. Mm -hmm. If you do these things later in life, I realized what was happening. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first time I actually witnessed it and kind of understood it, but then later figured it out. So after that, I knew what to watch for. When I started knowing that people wouldn't allow you to go places, allow you to have things, allow you to um, buy something to me. And that's when I felt, okay, is it because of the color of my skin? but yet everybody else is getting it. Everybody else is buying these things, but I could never you know, get these things, or live mm-hmm. in this area, or buy a house in this area. I knew I felt it one at a time after my wife and I got married. We went to, and I'm, I, I, I swore never to shop at Sears when <laughs> this happened to me. We went to Sears with cash, okay, <laughs> to mm-hmm. buy a washer and a dryer. We were so pumped up to get it. That gentleman was not gonna sell us that washer and dryer for nothing. Mm. and he did, it and the worst part about it was, he was black. But he was working with a whole bunch of white guys who were kind of standing behind him because these salesmen, they kind of you know congregate together when they're not yep. selling anything. They're just hanging around. And they were almost like watching him make sure we didn't buy that washer and dryer. He came up with every excuse. He said, well, you got to have credit if you want to buy it. I said, well, we're going to pay cash for this thing. Nope, you got to establish some credit. He was standing there almost like being pumped up by these guys behind him. We walked out of there and I told my wife, I said, I'll never shop at Sears, ever. And this is when we first got married, okay? And we've been married over 30 years. I will not. I can't. I cannot make myself go into it because of that one guy, he was black, but I could see these guys behind him were the ones mm-hmm. that almost were cheering him on that he was shutting me down. And I thought, okay, you know what? <laughs> you're, you don't know you're being used right now, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, that that's I think that's kind of the answer to you. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Thank you. No, that was perfect again. Thank you. The next question she asks us this every single day we go to class. So it's how do you how did you show up growing up? So what I mean by showing up is how did you present yourself? Hmm. Um, hmm. as you walked into the classroom, as you walked onto the bus or wherever you were, how did you present yourself? And then did your mindset change throughout your schooling, and into your career?
0: Wow. Yes. Excellent question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My daughter was talking to me about that just this morning. I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I knew going to an all-white school and basically getting on the police department, there were very few blacks. Mm -hmm. I had to present myself in a way that I couldn't be all that I could be. I had to basically only bring in 75% of me
1: okay,
0: because I knew that other 25% was truly who I was. So I didn't present myself as a white person. I just held back on who I really was. Okay. Um, I did that in the classroom. So I was a little more quieter in the classroom because I didn't want to, you know, be singled out like I did when I was in grade school. hmm. Uh, Did I have my fun on the basketball court? Yes. Did I have my fun in track? Yes. Did I have my fun in football? Yes. And I believe on those sports is when I got to be all out who I could be. Uh So I presented myself as just a athlete and that's where I felt I was above anybody else because I busted my butt and I said, no, I'm going to be the best here because you won't let me be the best in the classroom because you've already put limits on me by what you think and by the way you treat me. Mm Mm-hmm. So on the football, on the playing field, no. I, I would make sure I would crush anybody, okay? But mm-hmm. in the classroom, I kept quiet because you could easily crush me in the classroom, <laughs> but you weren't against me on the football field. So on my job, I went in, and I was not saying that I was making myself feel less than anybody else. I knew where the line was at, and I knew I cannot be all of me. So presenting myself, I... I automatically I was the black guy walking in but I knew I had to be the quiet black guy uh-huh. and just go along to get along kind of thing so I could never be 100 percent. yeah I, I get that question that's a really good question <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's again, one of those that stumped me and it was like, I don't really know how to answer that. Okay. Backing off of that, do you think if we taught teachers to be more open and inclusive to new ways of thinking, things would change or do you think it would stay the same?
0: Oh, it would definitely change. Yeah. It's not so much you want them to be more inclusive as much as you want them to be more understanding that people are different. Mm -hmm. You and your own family, Not everybody likes the same thing. Mm
2: -hmm. Not
0: everybody listens to the same music, but allow that person to be able to express that. Not that you're going to disrupt the class, okay? Not that you're going to do anything illegal, as Mm -hmm. much as, hey, this is just who this person is. I'm not going to try to change them because they're doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, that would be like us trying to say, you know what? Arnold Schwarzenegger is a really good guy, but I just don't like his accent. And we're going to make him change that. You can't, Arnold, you can't be in any movies because of your accent. And what most people don't know, one of the first movies he was in, they dubbed the voice over top of him because they didn't like his accent. They tried. They tried to change him. And then after a while, it was like, hey, that's just who he is. Now, we all know that. So Mm -hmm. why is it that we can't embrace other people who maybe talk a little bit different than we do? That's easy to do. But when they start looking a little bit different, that's really hard to do. Because now we don't want their different look and their different behavior to interfere with what we see as normal. We want everybody to be this way. So will it help? Yes, but you gotta understand what it is you're really trying to do. You're not trying to change the person as much as you're trying to understand where they come from. If you get two people (laughs) from different neighborhoods who don't look the same Mm -hmm. uh, to talk, and you'll find out you're really striving for the same things in life. You want the same things. Uh, the movie, you, do you remember the football movie? Um, <laughs> nah, the movie was in my head and I can't even think of it. Oh, Remember the Titans. Do you remember, yes. remember the Titans? There's a yep. scene in a movie where the coach took them out and made them all uh, work really hard. They went work all night in football if they didn't start bonding together. And he mm-hmm. made the black players match up with a white player and they had to sit down and learn something about each other. Before, Mm -hmm. you know, before, and then pretty soon they started to understand that, hey, they're really the same. They want to play football. Mm -hmm. They want to win. They want to be safe in their neighborhoods. They want to just be raised up as kids and enjoy life. Then pretty soon the two players became best friends. The white guy and the black guy became the best Mm -hmm. friends uh, on the football team. Once you sit down and talk to somebody and understand that they want the same things you do, and even the few little differences you have, you really can just blow those off. And that's just who they are. You can go a long way. So t- I think with teachers, don't try to change anybody. Don't say, okay. hey, you know, you've got to change and behave. If you're disrupting the class, that's one thing. Yeah. Okay. But if you speak this way and don't say you need to change the way you speak, well, wait a minute. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes do i have a little accent like arnold yes okay it may be a little bit different than you but anything that teachers can start including people and this will not happen unless the teachers themselves outside of that classroom unless the teachers themselves make sure you understand this outside of that classroom have friends that don't look like them interact with people that don't look like them if you don't overlap If you don't go into other areas, if you don't include people with different opinions, then you and your friends, you will never get it. You'll never understand it. So don't pretend that you're going to go in the classroom with something you learned at a a seminar and make it work. If you don't embrace it outside of that classroom, you'll never be able to embrace it when you see a kid walks in who doesn't look the same as you. So ask yourself, when you look and you think of your friends, think of all your friends you hang out with. Do any of them look different? Do any of them have a different opinion than you do? Do any of them come from a different side of town than you do? Do any of them eat different food than you do? Mm -hmm. If you're constantly with the same, you'll always think the same, and you'll never embrace anything that's different. I I think the biggest thing, if you can travel in this world, if you can go to different places and interact with different people who don't look like you and eat different food and then Mm -hmm. come back, you'll realize, boy, I've been living in this little bubble. Yeah. I, I don't get it. So yes, teachers need training, but before they get that training, they've got to embrace it on the outside. Don't just say, Oh, I'm gonna do this in the classroom. No, you yep. got to do it in your life and then it would become real.
1: Okay. Thank you. <laughs> how do you your school like how did your school growing up affect your outlook on life?
0: Hm. Well, I can say that my school, if we're talking are we talking high school or middle school?
1: Any any t- any okay. year, any time, yeah.
0: Well, I can say getting an education from Concordia, even middle school and even Concordia High School was really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the teachers were good, and I'm not like blaming them because of how they felt towards me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never put a blame on them. Uh, they were really good. Uh, they, they pushed you hard, gave you a good education. So I'm going to say this. Okay, my mother said it to me. She goes, if you walk into a job interview, And they find out that you graduated from Concordia Lutheran High School. She's asking, I guarantee you they'll take you first. And I didn't know what that meant until I started getting jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Concordia High School, they have that Lutheran, Concordia Lutheran. Mm -hmm. So most people assume, well, if you're Lutheran, then you like everybody. You love your neighbors as yourself, that kind of thing. (laughs) So they automatically believe you've got something a little bit better than the guy who maybe graduated from such and such uh, public school. So they want you because they know you have that caring heart is what they're believing. I believe that to be true, but I also believe that anybody goes to a a community school or wherever they may, a public school, uh, can do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. But it's like your last name. And I tell my my kids, I said, hey, you know, you want to protect your last name. You always want people to know that last name comes with, you know, some pride. The same thing with Concordia Lutheran High School and Concordia Lutheran Grade Mm -hmm. School when you heard you graduate from any Lutheran school, people look at you just a little bit different. And do you take advantage of that? Sure, if you're gonna give me a job just because of that, sure, but I'm gonna come in here and I'm gonna do the job right because I was taught to do it right anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna treat people right because I was taught to treat people right anyway, regardless of what school I went to. So it it did, it did did have an impact, a positive impact on my life and it still does mm-hmm. to this day.
1: Thank you. <laughs> couple more questions left. so
0: You go go right ahead.
1: Do you have anything that you wished was different when you grew up and went through schooling, whether it was the curriculum itself, um, the school you you went to, or the community around you? Hmm.
0: Boy, these are really good college (laughs) questions.
1: I know. (laughs) It's like I'm going to a good school. Yeah,
0: there you go. Uh, Yes and yes and yes to all of that. Um, Yes, I wish our school... Uh, growing up would have spent more time on uh, like my brother and I discussed on the real history mm-hmm. real history I mean don't don't give us this I mean you're just now finding out for me you're finding out hey wait a minute the pilgrims really didn't get along with the the Indians they didn't sit around yeah. and have a Thanksgiving meal mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. these these people were coming from hardship themselves and then they come in and they're gonna take over the Indians there was no sit down turkey and everybody having mm-hmm. a good time I'm like but that wasn't taught in history no. So, you know, and everything just wasn't fine when Martin Luther King walked across the bridge and, and uh, everybody was happy after the, the laws changed. No. You know, and then slavery just didn't end one day. People, people weren't just made to pick cotton. There was a whole lot of hardship that went on. And that just mm-hmm. happens to be what really happened. If you tell what really happened, give people the facts. I mean, they can figure it out themselves. Don't hide anything. I mean, be open and honest. This is the way it went. And you say, well, they didn't have time to teach all the history. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. If you quit trying to give them all this time to to study, to take a test at the end of the year to see how much you learned, you could get time for more history in there. So, yeah, if they would put more history in their true history, like my brother said, give the good, the bad, and the ugly of all of it, we wouldn't be so easy to repeat it. I mean, we keep going over the same thing all the time. I mean, and, and that's insanity. So why is that happening? Because nobody was honest to say, hey, this happened long time ago. And we can all go, man, that was terrible. That was awful. We're not going to do that again. If we knew the history, well, then we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. We wouldn't be treating people the way we uh-huh. treat them today if we knew the history. That is one thing that um, I just wish schools would take more time doing. That and along with Teach me life, for crying out loud. I mean, mm-hmm. you're teaching me to read and write and, and what how to add things, but pretty soon you're going to give me a calculator, and I can add it myself on a calculator. Yeah. I spend that much time on it because I always, always used to sit there and think, what am I going to use this for? Does a policeman really need this? I always did. I always think, does a policeman need to know this, you know, along while I was going through school? Teach me how to invest money. Teach me what the stock market is about, okay, Teach me how yeah. to buy a house. What interest rates mean. Teach me all those little things. Teach me more about government. Not so much that you, well, we gotta print. No, teach me about voting. What does my vote mean? What is the electoral college? What does all that stuff mean? Mm-hmm. Teach me all these things that we are running into right now so that people don't go, well, my vote doesn't count. Well, if you knew why your vote counted because you learned it in school, those are important things. Teach me all those little things. Don't just keep saying, hey, we're going to go to school. You're going to pass the I-STEP test. You're going to get our schools going to get more funding if we do. Yep. No, enough of that. We're pumping out. We keep doing the same thing and we keep getting the same results. I mean, you know, to me, that is just crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, teach the real world what is going on. And we'll be able to figure it out ourselves after that. that that's why we're still fighting the same old battles back in the Civil War. I mean, we're still doing things to the to the, to the Indians that the pilgrims did mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I mean, Yeah, because we
0: never found out that, hey, no, they didn't come over here friendly and sit down yeah. and have a meal at a picnic table. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I may have went off on the deep end on that. One, no, but yeah. yes, that's
1: OK. <laughs> um, so this is my last question. Do you have any advice for me, or for further generate future generations? Anything you want to share, or make sure that gets out in the world?
0: Well, boy, you're good. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it from my father.
0: (laughs) Well, let me tell you. Okay, I'll talk about your dad later. But anyway, (laughs) the thing that I would say is, and the thing that I saw was so neat during this whole protesting was how many white people, brown people, uh, black people who were all together for Mm -hmm. the same cause, okay? These people were standing up together for the same cause. And when you look back in history at some of the pictures that you see when Martin Luther King is speaking, there's white people in the crowds. When they're marching across the bridge, Mm -hmm. there are white people in the crowds, but now it's even more so. Advice for your generation? get to know somebody that doesn't look like you. It may be uncomfortable. It may be something you have never wanted to do. Get to know somebody who doesn't look like you or live the same way you do. And it's not so much you got to become friends. As much as you ask that tough question, say, hey, I have no clue what it's like being black, and I'm not here to offend you, but tell me some of the stuff you go through. And they'll go, okay, I go through this, just like you and I are talking right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm only just scratching the surface on some of the stuff that happened to me as a kid and the stuff that I felt even in high school, even after high school, even on the police department, okay, how I was treated differently, Mm -hmm. even on the last job I had at a university on the police department. The things, if I had time to tell you that, you would just say, this cannot have happened in this day and age. Yes, it is still happening. So Mm -hmm. the only way this stuff stops is if you take the time To have a conversation with somebody who doesn't look like you. Have a conversation with somebody who doesn't agree with you, okay? You can come out of that conversation going, hey, they're still a neat person. They just feel this way. Have a conversation with somebody who you know may be a Democrat, who may be a Republican, and say, hey, that's fine. You've got your beliefs, but hey, we're still friends on this whole thing. I work with people like that, but we know to put that stuff aside because we are going for one common goal. So my advice to any young person, it is happening it is starting to happen you're starting to see more people because of this incident actually take the time and talk to one another mm-hmm. and there's people and i'm gonna tell you this there are people who don't like that who don't want to see people come together who create all kind of fears okay
2: mm-hmm.
0: because they don't look like the normal and the normal is i'm gonna just say it the normal is white there's more okay. white people so if you don't look like this, oh, you better stay away from that one because they may do this. He may have a knife. Oh, for the love of Pete, he's going to go to work just like you. He has the same fears. She has the same fears just like you. They want an education just like you. But take that time. And my advice is take the time now. Because one day, you will be either sitting across the table in an interview trying to get a job, and then there's a black person, and there's an Indian person, and there's a Hispanic person, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I have no clue what they're thinking. What do they think of me? And then all of a sudden, you blow your interview because you're nervous. When really, you should be comfortable. You should be comfortable around anybody. For your young people, I want you to try this. And my wife gets really mad at me, but she understands (laughs) why I do this, okay? When you're next time you're in the grocery store or next time you're in church or somewhere, just strike up a conversation with somebody. Go, hey, how you doing? Or the easiest way is, boy, hey, I bought that last week and it's really good. Or that that drink right there that you're buying right there, I had it. and Oh, my goodness, it's good. Or if they're holding it, say, hey, what did that taste like? Do you really like that? That uh-huh. will start a conversation. And you know what it does? It relaxes them. And then you're engaged in something, even if it's something you didn't even care about. <laughs> Okay, Mm -hmm. But now you just learned something. And they can walk away, you both can walk away with a feeling of, huh, I didn't think that about that person. I didn't think they would even ever speak to somebody like me. But you have broken the ice with somebody. So, I mean, you guys, you young people, you're making a change. You have already shown that you're making a change. You can walk side by side. You can protest together, but now have a conversation. Now talk to one another about how life really is. They're not teaching it to you in school. I'm telling you, they're not giving it to you. Your professor, is your professor black or white? She's black. Okay. She's got some really good questions, and I, I can see where she's getting them from, too. But she's just trying to get you to think. Mm-hmm. Just because there's a lot of, look like you, there's a lot of people out here who would want to have a conversation with you, and you will realize you're really all the same. We're all made in God's image, but crying out mm-hmm. loud. So we're really all the same. All
1: right. Thank you so much. Do you have any questions for me?
0: <laughs> how uncomfortable are you in this class?
1: At first, I was extremely uncomfortable. I wasn't quite sure to how to, like, be in the class and be present. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the weeks have gone on, I've, I've grown more comfortable and more understanding, which mm. is, I'm, I'm glad. That's also one of the reasons why, like, how you said, like, talk to people who don't look like you and get to know them and stuff like that. And, I, and that's kind of what I'm doing with this class. And I'm, I'm really glad that I'm getting those different viewpoints as mm-hmm. well. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. right. Well, you have to remember too. Okay. There's good people who are white and there's mm-hmm. bad people who are white. Mm-hmm. There are good people who are black and there's bad people who are black. Okay. Just because those things happen. I mean, you don't put a uh, a label on every black person and we don't put a mm-hmm. label on every white person. So yeah, you're gonna meet some good people, no matter what. I bet you have uh, friends or you know people who are white who have been treating you bad are just bad people. Uh-huh. So, but you don't you don't hate all white people. No. So there's black people who are good people, and there's some that'll do some stupid stuff. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I you know, I I my hat goes off to you for even taking a step to take this class. I know you were taking it for one reason and now you (laughs) found out, hey, this can help me in another way. I can reach out to one of my dad's friends and ask him, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what's it really like being black? Now, let me ask you this. Do you feel (laughs) as a white person that you can go just about anywhere to any restaurant, any store, and you feel welcome in there?
1: Yeah, kind of um, sometimes. Mm -hmm. I I mean I have that mentality of what your parents told you like you know different sides of Fort Wayne don't go over there because it's not safe it's dangerous and stuff like that but then there's other places where like I, I'm, I'm comfortable where I am and in my skin, even though there's people around me who don't look like me as well. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I guess it's how I, it depends on where it is and like what I've been told growing up about that area.
0: Right. And I bet you the people in that area don't feel what you, your parents or friends have told you about yeah. that area. They're, they're living there they're like, what's well, not that yeah. bad. But if you ask them, say, Hey, why don't you go out West to that uh, neighborhood out there? And they'll say, I'm not going out there. That's not a good area. They say the same thing about your yeah. area, believe it or not, because they have fears that you don't even realize is a fear. You go, what do you mean? That's a nice area. You go, no, not me. I'm not going. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: So, and, um, and the people I work with, they would like to go eat at certain places while we're out on the road. They'll say, oh, I heard about this really nice restaurant off this beaten path. And I'll go, I'm not going to eat there. And they're like, well, why not? I'm like, well, you know, and I don't say it. I go, well, mm-hmm. I just don't want to go. But see, again, they're comfortable. They can go eat anywhere.
2: Mm-hmm. So they
0: think by them being comfortable, they can just drag me in. But no. <laughs> as yeah. soon as I come in, the music stops, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's going to take some time. You, mm-hmm. may, you may feel uncomfortable, and people call certain areas of town shady or, or it's a, a sketchy area. They call your area the same thing if you live in that area. If you're black and you look in another area, you go, no, I'm not going to that sketchy area. They say the same thing. Why? Because we don't know what we've been told, what friends have told us. So you don't know until you go for yourself, okay? Yep. Don't don't believe what other people are telling you. Yep. Right. Now, last thing I got to tell you, though, since you're on your – that was your last question, right? Yeah,
2: that was, okay. yeah.
0: Your dad – I'm going to tell you this about your dad, <laughs> okay? Uh, my, I guess our mother's – our mothers your your grandmother and my mother mm-hmm. talked a lot i didn't realize that hmm. okay but phil your dad was mm-hmm. one of those guys in school who i talked to all the time we laughed we joked uh we played basketball together and he was at my wedding and yep. we got we got pictures he showed up he was one of those guys that was always around he and i still uh I send employees to him every once in a while. We talk on the phone. Uh, We joke. We laugh. We tease each other. And over all these years, we can pick up the phone and call one another and pick up from where we left off. Uh, And it could be months and years before we've talked to one another. But he has been one that I felt comfortable around as he was a white guy. But Mm -hmm. he and I just got along. I don't know how that happened, and I have no clue. But um, he admitted. He said, hey, I was raised this way. And I never thought anything about what you're feeling or anything like that because I always thought you were just who you were. But Phil is a good guy. Your dad your dad is a really good guy. Um, he was a good friend to have. He was somebody that could make me feel comfortable even though I was around a lot of white people. I never thought of him as a white guy. I knew he was white, but I just thought of him as a friend of mine. And uh, I'm glad he called me to ask me to do this with you. <laughs>
1: yeah thank you again for doing this
0: hey no problem now what kind of grade are we gonna get on this <laughs> hopefully
1: we... a good one
0: <laughs> or, or do we get a grade or is this what yes. of...
1: <laughs> yeah I usually the only reason I get points off for any of the assignments in their class is all technical stuff mm-hmm. so i'm I'm hoping this is a good one I really this paper I have to write is about comparing my schooling and how I was raised through education to someone else's background and how uh, their different background and whatnot. So.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you, as a male black, things were different. You may have, I may have given, been given the same homework, mm-hmm. the same um, test to take, mm-hmm. but it, the, all the things that led up to that, how the teacher made you feel and mm-hmm. how the teacher maybe did not help you as much to understand. If you ask a question, you were made to feel like, well, why are you asking that? Everybody else gets it. It's like, well, wait a minute. I don't even understand what you're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So you were almost afraid to even ask for the help because you were made to feel like you shouldn't be asking for help. Mm-hmm. You, 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 know, you just are never going to get it. You know Those things were said. And I don't know if a teacher knows how hurtful those words can be. And mm-hmm. if you're going into teaching, I mean, you have to be really careful because that stays with you as a kid. <laughs> and mm-hmm. especially a kid of color, a kid who's not part of the norm. Oh my goodness, this was fun.
2: Yeah,
1: thank you so much. <laughs>
0: this is good stuff. So when is graduation?
1: May 8th.
0: May 8th, okay. Hopefully. Okay, well, I think you're going to do just fine. And uh, yeah, why don't you take your photography into uh, the criminal or law enforcement side and take pictures at crime scenes? You ever think of that?
1: Um. Y- yeah. <laughs> I like to watch crime shows and if I'm with, my boyfriend or if I'm with my dad, they're all like, you should do that. And I was like, I think that'd be really cool, but I think I might have nightmares at night. So I don't know.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, I wish you you the best. and (laughs) Thank uh, you. And uh, hopefully you graduate and uh, you can go out in the world because you're young and you can start changing the world by Mm -hmm. interacting with people who you were always told not to. Yep. And uh, you'll find out that, hey, there, there's no fear there. There's no fear at all. That was your parents' fear. That was their parents' fear. And that was their parents' fear just dumped down on them. That's all mm-hmm. it is. It was just passed down. And, and you have no reason why. You're like, well, why am I supposed to not like that person? Well, uh, final story, okay?
2: <laughs> all right.
0: You can take this into your 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 class. Have you, have your teacher talked to you guys about the, uh, the three monkeys in a uh, laboratory and there's a pole in the middle of the room, and there's a a bunch of bananas at the top of the pole. Have you heard this before? No, I don't think so. Okay, okay. You can use this too, all right? And this is why things keep getting passed down. There's these three monkeys. They have these doctors are doing this test. They have a Mm -hmm. pole in the middle of the room that goes up to the ceiling, and Mm -hmm. at the top of the pole, there's a bunch of bananas. Okay. All right, so these monkeys, when they get in the room, they're scurrying up that pole to get those bananas, but right when they get to the top of the pole, they, they set a little thing off and it sprays water on the monkey's faces and it knocks them down the pole. So they scurry back up the pole to get those bananas and they hit them in the face again with that water. And this is a test that these scientists are doing. Pretty soon the monkeys give up going up the pole. They just sit there. So they remove one monkey out and they replace him with another monkey. Well, when that monkey gets in and sees those bananas, he starts scurrying up the pole. The other two monkeys actually grab him and hold him down and won't let him go up the pole. He keeps trying, keeps trying, they keep grabbing and keep grabbing pretty soon he gives up. So they remove another monkey and bring in another monkey. That monkey starts trying to go up the pole, both monkeys again, even one monkey that has no clue of what will happen, grabs that other monkey and they hold him down. That monkey tries again, both monkeys grab him, hold him down. They do this until they replace all three monkeys. And two of the monkeys never knew why they could not go up that pole, but they still stop that third monkey never knowing that if you go up that pole, you're going to get hit in the face with a blast of water. But they were taught, don't go up the pole. They were taught that not knowing what would happen going up that pole. And my point behind all that, that test that they did, they showed that you can react in a way or you can treat people in a way not knowing why you're doing it because it was just passed down to you. It was given to you. You have no clue why you're not supposed to like this person. You're not supposed to go in this part of the neighborhood. You're not supposed to shop at this store right here. Uh, It sounded like I was from the south there. (laughs) (laughs) From right here, you know, things like that. So we do things not knowing why we do things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we got to break out of that and learn for ourselves. Let the monkey go and he'll go up there. If he gets hit in the face, he'll learn. Oh, don't go up there. But Mm -hmm. you never know until you go. That's the thing. You never know until you go, and that's it. But that was a test they did. I just wanted to leave you with that, that final thought. <laughs>
2: well, thank you.
0: A- add that to your, t- your paper and see what the teacher gives okay.
2: you. Okay. <laughs> I will.
0: Hey, make sure you tell your, your parents I said hey. and, no uh, yeah, and uh, Same for your crazy mom, okay?
1: <laughs> of course.
0: <laughs> Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.